Hi, everyone. This is Josh Hoffman, and welcome to another episode of the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast. Today, I have Jason Pisecki, partner and CEO of Revel, a marketing agency that builds strong brands that grow B2B businesses by executing marketing strategies that move people to action. Welcome, Jason. Thanks, Josh. Happy to be here. So I want to start off with a topic that we both very clearly care about, and, and I can see that with the picture in the back, which is baseball, um, and specifically really how you tie that to business. Uh, so do you mind explaining as long as you want on that one? Well, I, yeah, I grew up in a baseball family. My dad is a baseball guy, and um, you know I, I played baseball all the way uh, Little League through through college and uh, you know my son is playing now he's graduating high school he's a senior he just wrapped up his season so baseball is a big part of our family and uh, I think there's a lot of parallels between uh, baseball and and business and really it's uh, you know very analytics and numbers based so that's that's a big part of of business today and it's a huge part of baseball also uh, I always consider myself a, a coach. I, I never think of myself as a as a manager, and you know I do like to uh, uh, offer offer coaching tips to the to my coworkers. And so, uh, yeah, it's just it's just part of what I do, and uh, it's really carried over well to business. And I, and going through your LinkedIn and, and doing some research, uh, you know, I think there's a few good one-liners that I picked up, putting players in position to be successful, I thought was really important part of the coaching side. Um, and then you also mentioned inspiring and empowering athletes to achieve their full potential. So especially in baseball, where I think there's less, um, you know, play by plays like other sports, I think the manager, just like a CEO or someone in business is more focused on making sure that you're using your skills properly and everything. So uh, I thought that was a, a good way to start. Yeah, um, for sure. Do you mind telling me how you got into digital marketing and, and marketing as a whole? Well, I went to uh, went to college and I started out on the marketing track, and this was in the the mid nineties. And as I was getting into my junior year, I, I realized that uh, you know I love the marketing, but I wanted something wanted something more. And I went and talked to one of my advisors, and uh, they were asking me about my interests, and I said, "Well, you know, I, I always." I was always very interested in art. I was an artistic kid, liked to draw. And they said, well, have you ever considered graphic design? And I had no idea what graphic design was. I didn't even know that existed. And, uh, you know, they told me more about it. And I thought, you know, this, this sounded really interesting. That's a way that I could apply my art, tie it into marketing and advertising. So I, I went on two tracks for the rest of my college career and got that graphic design degree along with my marketing degree and it's it's served me well in in business that's that's what i've always done in my in my profession is a combination of both marketing and design and uh when you're in when you're in advertising it it really pays to have kind of both sides of those brains the strategic side and the creative side working together uh what was the learning curve like or going from, I guess, like, I don't know, called physical art to the graphic design side? Well, this is, uh, I wouldn't be dating myself a little, uh, but you kind of put yourself in the Wayback Machine. This is in the, so as, as I said, in the mid-90s. And the computer desktop publishing was just coming into the, the classroom. And so the, the Mac was, was uh, newer uh, then. And I, I was fortunate to have a... Um, 
a neighbor that had a computer. This is kind of like, we're talking 1990, 93, 94, 95. And uh, I had my word processor. I was typing up a paper and it was, uh, it was not working. And this uh, was when you would, you would type a whole thing in the word processor and then print it all out at once. Well, he said, why are you using that thing? He goes, I have a computer and we can take it to the lab and print it. So I got on his monochrome gold uh, IBM computer, typed up my paper, and it was kind of, I was off from there. I was just you know, fascinated with uh, technology. And I think I came into design at the perfect time because uh, I, I understood the old school, the manual processes, you know, like hand lettering and uh, doing key lines and mockups, but I was able to apply that stuff on the, on the computer. And so to your question, the learning curve, it wasn't, it wasn't that great because we were all figuring it out. No one really knew. And I, I thought it was a really cool time to be coming into the, uh, the creative business. So how did you end up using a lot of those skills, whether it's, you know, the early day skills or learning over time skills to eventually start your, your business? My first two jobs, I worked for a couple small manufacturing companies in the Detroit area. And um, marketing is kind of an afterthought with them. So I hired in at the first one as an inside salesperson. And I had a, uh, my boss, he was the general manager of the company as his dad owned it. And he was in his early thirties. And I, I convinced him very early on, I said, okay, after I get done with all the sales things and I, you know, redesign all the literature, um, could I build our company a website? And he's like, website, I don't know what a website is. And, uh, so he said, yeah, go for it, you know? And so I was able then to like, you know, code and design, uh, my first website for that company back in 1995. Did you do all the coding? Yeah, it was very rudimentary. So, uh, you know, you, you have like uh, five pages, usually had to fit 640 pixels wide, so it would fit on a 15-inch uh, monitor. And, uh, you know, it had to be sensitive to dial-up because that's how we all connected to the Internet. And uh, so I was able to apply those foundational skills and bring new ideas into these into these companies where they really weren't leveraging technology. They weren't using uh, computers for design. They were outsourcing all of that. And after I, you know, kind of did everything I could at the first company, I went to another company, did everything there in a year, and just went out on my own after that. I was fortunate to have a a wife that uh, supported my dream. She was working as a marketing manager at one of the casinos in Detroit. And she said, you know, she said, give it a shot. And if it worse comes to worse, you, you go and get another job. And that was, uh, that was 23 years ago. So I've kind of just gone from there and went from a one-man man working in my spare bedroom to, to now Rebel's 15-person uh, B2B marketing agency located in Muskegon, Michigan. Were those your first two customers? The, the first, the, they, were, they, were. they were. It was, uh, I was, I was really, uh, really fortunate to have a boss when I told him uh, I was quitting to start my own business. He said, well, we still need you. So uh, we'll hire you and we'll give you a retainer. And I'm, I'm like, well, this, this sounds great because I have a few clients, but I could use some steady money. And so uh, they were my first uh, clients. The, the, the second company, they were a filter company. And uh, so I had a retainer for them for, uh, about six months. And then the, the other company, they were a valve company. 
And I was doing Google AdWords for them in the early days of Google AdWords and kind of just kind of went from there. Well, I'm, I'm going to keep diving into this. Um, how did you get your first, either how did you get your first customers after that, or how did you get your first customers that you didn't personally know, whether it was cold leads, uh, warm leads, anything? My first customer after the two companies that I worked for was actually a vendor that was coming through one of the companies. So uh, they were they were walking through and they were supplying us, uh, I want to say, some, some um, valves or, or something like that and some particular thing. And they, they needed some literature. Uh, they needed some sell sheets and uh, eventually turned into doing a website and, you know, worked with them for the better part of 10 years after that. So it was a lot of just, it was a lot of just, networking and leveraging relationships and um, you know finding out that there's this huge need very underserved in small to medium-sized businesses uh, that were were really not addressing their most pressing marketing needs well to keep pulling on that um, you know you definitely focus on a little bit different customers than a lot of the other guests that we've had uh, and and specifically on the b2b side um, so do you mind kind of just going into detail of what maybe the difference is that you see with the B2B side relative to um, other marketing agencies? Yeah, I think, you know, B2B is, it's just always been where my heart is, you know, from those first two jobs I was telling you about to growing up in Michigan, there's industry is a huge part of the economy in the state, whether it's automotive or furniture or automation, um, you know, manufacturing in particular and the businesses that support those are just a huge part of the economy. So uh, I, I grew up in a manufacturing family, like a baseball family. My dad worked in manufacturing. And so it's just, it's really what I, I knew growing up. And, I you know, I think there's a few differences that are important. Um, the, the first is B2B audiences are, are much smaller than B2C. So um, typically consumer products, you're talking the audience may be thousands of people or even millions of, of people. Like I just, I just bought a new water bottle. And so, you know, I went on Amazon, I looked at ones that were available, um, you know, within a couple minutes, I decided the one that I wanted to buy and I put it in my cart and grew. Well, there's, there's millions of people that could buy a, a water bottle. Well, typically with a B2B audience there, the audience is hundreds or even dozens. So, um, you know, a customer and prospects list really need to be scrutinized in B2B. Uh, uh, there's an opportunity to be very focused, like looking at specific job titles, geographies, businesses. And it's, it's definitely a, a more surgical approach to customer acquisition. And, you know, uh, it's, it's even more important to see things through the customer's eyes, understand their pain points and how um, you know our products and services are are satisfying those. So uh, that that's really the first thing is is much smaller audience sizes. So I guess you know like the the buyer is it, they're buying a different thing. Obviously, uh, I mean at the end of the day, it's exactly the difference between B two C and B two B. But um, is there any kind of differences that you would highlight maybe on the action items on the website or? You know, like instead of pressing a buy now button, maybe it's a call. Uh, is there anything you would add to that? Well, I think, I'll, um, you know, most of the companies that we work with are 
uh, providing either a, a service. So the call to action is, is typically uh, schedule a consultation or a call versus a buy now because uh, these are products, you know, they, it might be uh, a, a casting that could cost millions of dollars to set up a program and to get it up and running. So you're usually not clicking, you know, add that to my Amazon cart. It's a it's more consultive sale. And uh, since there's, you know, you're not going for as large of numbers, you're really trying to direct the right person to either, uh, you know, make a phone call or send an email. So, you know, those are, those are typically the calls to action or, um, you know, consume a piece of content. So it may be a, a guide on some certain type of process. So uh, much more, much more educational, uh, a little more pragmatic than emotional. It doesn't mean that B2B marketing can't be creative or interesting. It's just, uh, it's, a, it's a much more uh, pragmatic buy usually. What, uh, I mean, uh, again, to keep pulling that one, um, what services do you guys provide? Uh, and then specifically what I'm asking for is, you know, everything from website design to, do you actually make those like marketing collateral and things like that? Or, or you know, which pieces of services do you provide? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, where we like to start at Rebel, ideally, we're going to start with some sort of strategic component. So either a marketing communications plan or, or website, uh, website plan based on some kind of research. So either research where we're going out, we're talking to our customers' customers, uh, we're leveraging existing customer surveys that, that they have. Um, you know, what we find is that we typically get more, I want to say honest, just different answers when we're asking the customers the questions rather than when, the, uh, when our clients are. Um, so, Strategies based on research is is where we like to start, and then from there we will we will um, respond with a strategy that accomplishes the, our particular client's goals. So, um, so again, starting with some fact gathering, moving into um, a, a written strategy, and then then from there we get into the brand building, and that's the stuff where you typically. Um, would reach out to an agency. So that's coming, it could be starting out, coming up with a company's name, developing their logo and their brand, the standards, how they're going to use that. And then the messaging, what's the non-visual side, the story of the brand that goes along with the visual side, the logo. So those match up. And then executing that through either um, digital campaigns, um, either social media ads, uh, managing people's social media, developing websites. And then, uh, you know, another thing that you mentioned is creating that collateral material. So we, we consider ourselves an integrated marketing firm and it's tying all that, that those messages together to drive a result. And then the last component is looking at, again, like the, the baseball analogy, looking at the analytics taking a look at what's working, what's not working, and then adjusting the plan based on what the numbers tell us. So analytics, um, which tools do you guys use? Not only analytics, but any software tools, anything that you think is important? We use uh, Google Analytics, of course, uh, which is in the in the process of undergoing a change. And, uh, you know, then analytics that are native on, on platforms, either uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, or, or Facebook. Um, there are some other tools that we use that aggregate 
analytics, um, looking at things like SEMrush, tools like that, uh, as well as analytics that are available and reporting tools inside email marketing platforms like, like MailChimp. So really, we our job as marketers is, is to look at the numbers, but then also interpret them and translate them for our clients, because most of our clients aren't natural marketers. They're either CEOs, VPs of sales and marketing, um, or HR people that, you know, marketing's probably not at the top of their list. So we can, we can be that helpful guide that, uh, is with them to navigate the the journey from their company to attracting and uh, finding the right customers. Uh, this next question is either going to have a great answer or there'll be nothing. So, so we'll see, but, um, what, you know, going back to the B2B side of, of marketing and kind of going through the, you know, pandemic and COVID, um, what trends have you seen maybe change over the past few years based on, you know, the, the changes that's happened the past few years? I think it's really is, um, place is not as, as, um, is really not an issue anymore where it used to be, um, you know, we would we would seek out clients that were within our, our geography. And, um, you know, what COVID has allowed us to do and, and learn and one of the benefits is how to how to really take that out of the equation. So specialization really, really trumps, um, you know, being the local generalist agency. So that's from the that's from the agencies point of view from our, our perspective. Uh, what we see for our clients is just a real heavy emphasis on communication during that pandemic time, um, communicating with their customers, letting them know how they were doing business, and really highlighting education and creating content. So whether it's whether it's blogs or emails or social media content that would, would educate their customers on really um, what the company was was all about because uh, we're not we're not uh, consuming that information you know the way that we did in the past where it might be a sales rep calling on somebody really doing that more digitally and online has been a trend that's been happening for quite a long time and just got accelerated during covid uh, and then uh, taking a step back, uh, you mentioned starting, you know, how you started and then you were yourself yourself and then you ended up growing, obviously. Now, um, what do you think was the right time to start hiring? Did you ever hire too many people too early? Not enough people too late? Uh, so what was that experience like? Uh, well, to answer your question, yes, <laughs> we definitely have hired. We've overhired, we've underhired and we've done everything in between. And uh, the best thing that you know, I did for, for my business is back in 06, I'd been out on my own for about eight years and I had really hit a plateau where I just wasn't going to grow anymore. There were only so many hours in the day. I had young family at, at that time. I had, um, gosh, when I, when I was getting going, I mean, I have three kids there, they're, uh, 20, 20 and 18 now, but at the time they were like, you know, two, two and, and one. So, uh, it was, it was pretty hectic around our, our house. And, um, so, you know, my time was, was finite. And so in 2006, I approached a videographer that I was, uh, doing work with, we had a mutual client and he would take, um, 
that client wanted the VHS tapes that he made put on his website. So this is like really old school technology here. We'll, we'll get into the ca- uh, cassette player later. Um, so anyway, um, a videographer friend, uh, his name is Andy. Uh, I approached him and said, well, we're doing a lot of this for the same client. Maybe we could do this for other people. And so we became partners. And I think that as, as in the, in the agency world, that was really the first critical growth point, uh, in, in my journey. And so, uh, we started out and we had a couple of freelancers and we realized, you know what, we probably need some more steady, steady people. So we hired a designer, we hired uh, a web programmer and we just, we just kind of grew from there. Uh, I think to your point of, did we ever overhire is we didn't have a system. We were just kind of, we were accidental entrepreneurs. So we had a, we had a skill. We were technicians. You know, I was uh, the marketing and the design guy. He was a video guy. And we were just kind of figuring out how to do business. So uh, one of the things that was transformative for our, our journey is having a business operating system. And we uh, run on EOS here at Revel, Entrepreneurial Operating System. And that just provides a helpful structure for us to, um, you know, set our strategy, cast our vision, run good meetings and provide clarity on everyone's role and what they do. So now we know we have, uh, we have the right people in the right seats because those are all clearly defined, but it's a lot more, there's a lot more art than science to hiring and growth um, because it's, it's a people business and you got to have people that fit your culture. Well, let's keep diving into the art then. Um, is there anything that either maybe you hired at first or even didn't, but you ended up outsourcing and that was the right move to, you know, it wasn't essential to have that maybe piece of the company in house and therefore you outsourced something. Yeah. The, probably the biggest thing that's changed over the last, uh, I would say 15 years that we've, you know, I've, I've been kind of a business uh, with employees is, is web and web was very much a thing where uh, it was held captive and we had, uh, we had a lot of developers in house and uh, the way websites were built, you know, it was a lot of custom websites and, you know, as platforms came on, you know, first Joomla and now WordPress, and there's a lot of other ways to build sites. We've realized that there are, there are better ways for us as an agency to deliver that service to clients. And same thing goes for photography. We have a lot of talented art directors who can shoot beautiful photos in house, but we realize that there are people out there that are way better than that. And that's all they do for uh, their business. Uh, PR is another thing that we've kept in house at other times that we've just found great partners that are, are good at that. So um, I think we've really zeroed in on our agency is um, what we're, what we're best at is, is marketing strategy, brand building, and then measuring results. And those are the things that we should keep closely held. And then there are other things that we can partner and leverage uh, what other folks out there are doing to deliver a better product to our clients and allow us to focus where we're really good. Well, I'm going to then quickly plug our sponsor then, because that was, I, you kind of said it, uh, they do outsourced uh, web web work. So uh, for a fixed price, fixed monthly price. So uh, quick, quick plug for them as well. Um, if you had to teach something to other marketers, what do you think it would be? I would think it is, uh, let's see if I had to teach something. 
maybe if you were a professor, what would be not not necessarily day one, but what would be a, a topic that you might uh, you might discuss? I would think the you know one of the most important lessons I learned is that I don't have all the answers, and surrounding myself with people that are both smarter than me, better at what they do than I am, and then also leveraging relationships with. Uh, peers out there that have been there and done that. Um, you know, the the marketing agency world is, it's always changing. And uh, I think really just being uh, not necessarily a, a sponge, but being a filter, like taking information in and filtering out what really applies is, um, you know, to always be learning, to be curious and that's something that I, I've tried to do. And I, when I think of the times where our agency has really grown, I've benefited from someone else's generosity, either sharing an experience they have, maybe um, teaching me about a tool that they've used or talking through a challenge they've had with a client. So I, I really think it's just looking outside your, your four walls to um, you know, grow your network and you know, see people out there that are um, doing good things and, and learning from. Uh, that's great. Um, what do you enjoy talking about the most that you normally don't get an opportunity to talk about? Well, besides besides baseball, which I do work into a lot of things, so um, we have a. I would say we're very skewed on uh, non sports people around our agency, but I, everyone has really gotten to the point where they begin to appreciate all my, all my baseball stories. Um, I, I just, I enjoy talking about our clients and that is what I, I talk about the most. So uh, the success that they have, the longevity of some of our relationships, what their businesses are doing. You know, that's why some people think that, you know, B2B marketing is, is boring because you're working with some manufacturer who's making something. Well, I, I think, what manufacturers do is fascinating. I mean, we wouldn't have the products we have if there weren't innovative companies out there creating these really amazing products. So I, I love learning about how other businesses operate and sharing that story and, um, you know, connecting, connecting the companies that we work with, with each other. When, uh, you know, we see there's, there's a fit where maybe they can use each, each other services. And speaking of learning, um, any book recommendations, whether it's business, self-help, I mean, quite literally anything, if you want to, uh, fiction, uh, anything, any book recommendations? Well, probably my, my favorite book uh, that I've, I've read recently is Atomic Habits by James Clear. And that book is just, I, I realized in reading it, I am a very habitual person in a, in a good way. I mean, if I say I'm going to do something on a certain time and day, I'm going to do it like I... I've written a Monday email to our team every Monday morning for the last 284 weeks. And I haven't really thought too much about that, but I'm like, wow, that's, that's really, um, that's really consistent to take five years of emails and just sharing things that I, you know, I think would be, would be helpful to our crew. And um, so yeah, atomic, atomic habits is, is a is a great book. I think anything by Patrick Lencioni is a, a, a must read. Um, 
and Death by Meeting was the, the first one of his that I really, really uh, enjoyed. And then uh, Five Dysfunctions of a Team is, is also good. And then the other one, you know, I got to throw in a baseball one is a Baseball 100 by Joe Posnanski, where he goes and takes his top 100 baseball players of all time and he, he ranks them. And I'm a huge fan of the, the Negro Leagues. I had the opportunity to go to the Negro Leagues Museum when we were doing our tour of the country to see all the Major League Baseball parks and uh, uh, Kansas City, 18th and Vine, and uh, just had a just a really, a really uh, amazing time, and uh, it's it just I just fell in love with the the Negro Leagues after that because the stories are they're as much myth and legend as they are fact, and uh, there's just a lot of a lot of great baseball players out there. So, so those are a few I'd recommend. Uh, that's funny you mentioned uh, knowing the exact street. Uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame is on Hoffman Lane or Hoffman Street, which is my last name. So uh, that's an easy one for me to remember as well. That's a good piece of trivia. <laughs> exactly. Um, as we come up to the end of the episode, I just want to give you an opportunity to mention how people can find you and anything else uh, like that you'd like to end with. Well, the uh, best way to find us is uh, go to our website. It's uh, revel.in and you can find out more about our agency. Also, uh, we're active on social so linkedin facebook twitter instagram if you want to see what we're what we're up to or you can uh you can always reach out to me directly at jason at revel.in that's r-e-v-e-l dot i-n awesome thank you so much for coming on the show and i hope everyone has a great day all right thanks josh Thanks for listening to the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I just want to thank our sponsors, DevNoodle. DevNoodle provides marketing agencies with the ability to offer their clients unlimited website design, build, and management services with fixed monthly plans. If website design, development, and maintenance is holding your agency back from growing, please reach out to us at devnoodle.com, where we make websites easy, easy for you and easy for your clients, devnoodle.com.